You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. You're listening to Socks in the Basement. My name is Chris Lanuti. My buddy Dave is on with me. We are social distancing because, well, that's the new norm now these days. Baseball is talking about things that they may or may not do to bring back the season. Don Paul will be the person that is on the air tomorrow on Socks in the Basement. The full interview because we talked all weekend long, me and him, in little spurts during the Boston series. And then the Minnesota Twins kick everything off coming to guaranteed rate field over the weekend and Matt Caps, former relief pitcher for the Minnesota Twins and other organizations now a color commentary guy is going to be jumping on for portions of those broadcasts Dave how you doing Matt Matt Caps, I remember Matt Caps. okay very cool. <laughs> yeah I'm good Hi, uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm good Chris I am actually in my uh newly partially renovated basement down here at my house so we're uh, we're both socks in the basement today apparently yeah it, you know you're not socks in the basement unless you're doing it from your basement dave so i'm glad that you've gotten on board with that that's good no busy dude busy 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 <laughs> everybody's telling me like i'm reading this wonderful book during quarantine or other people's like yeah i'm, I'm learning to do needle points or like underwater <laughs> basket weaving during quarantine or like yeah i'm catching up on all these great netflix shows during quarantine and i'm just like I am working. I am teaching online. I'm teaching anywhere from, you know, six to ten hours a day straight through just giving online lessons. You are one of the fortunate ones, my friends. There's a lot of people that are that are out of work right now and, and don't know what they're going to end up doing and how long this is going to last. So you're lucky to be able to do that and good for you. If somebody wants to take a lesson with you, it's uh, WestgateMusicSchool.com. That's correct? That's correct. Now, me, on the other hand, I'm busy because I'm doing these games, these simulated games that are coming out each and every day. But what's funny is it, it like I was laughing with my wife, the podcast network, massive hit. I mean, if businesses are closed, they're not doing any advertising. Now, I don't worry about it very much with Socks in the Basement because you and I started doing this thing for fun. But I, I, I find it funny that I'm working as hard, if not harder right now than I was doing beforehand and far less is coming into the podcast network. Now, on the other hand, we might as well just start right off with this right now. I want to clear it out and be done with it. We'll do it for a couple of minutes and we'll be done. I talked with a friend of mine who hosts another podcast and writes, and he covers a Major League Baseball team, and he's got his own blog. So this isn't a Sox podcast? No, no, this is out of town. And in the market that he's in, he has not only had somebody try to duplicate his podcast where they actually did a show covering everything he had done 48 hours earlier, almost word for word, like they were taking notes. Right. When he called them out, the company that was running the podcast took it down. But then also he has a mainstream website where the author, one of the writers on the site is taking his stuff nearly word for word off of his blog, all of his minor league interviews and things like that, and posting them on the site because the journalist can't get out and do anything because he's stuck at home, but he's still expected to come up with material. So he found his blog 
and started ripping off all of his articles. So oh, he's, te- he's telling me this thing, which is straight up plagiarism. He's telling me this thing. And I go, there's a lot of that going around because I, 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 I'm friends with a lot of people in radio. It's funny. Some of them yes. reached out to me and said, how do I do this? Because they're all broadcasting from their basements. They're all sitting in their living rooms now. Most radio stations are doing things mobily and they're all trying to figure out how to do it. And the thing that I've noticed with the people that are in the mainstream is they're like, how do you come up with all the stuff that you do? Because they don't normally have to do that. And generally there's like, you know, 10 people in a room all discussing it. So now all of a sudden it's like, how do I, how do I keep doing what I'm expected to do? Cause some, I want them to keep paying me to sit at home. You know, if I have this job. So what's interesting is we start the sacks in the basement simulated season. We announce it a week before yeah, it starts. I, I, know ex- I, I, I know exactly where you're going with this. I know exactly where you're going with this. Go ahead. We, we announce it a week before it starts. We team up with Sacks on 35th. That's a long-time White Sox blog. We've only been around for two years. That's a long-time White Sox blog. We announce this thing. We start this thing on opening day. Seven days later, the, the folks over at NBC Sportsnet start doing a game of the week. That's fine. But the thing is that I just kind of like, you know, gently ribbed them. Hey, guys, by the way, we've been doing this for a week. We've been doing every game because I'm more trying to get like some promotion for us. Right. I'm like, I'll throw that in there a little timeline. Some tool of a of a off air producer who was not included in the tweet. What's funny is I had actually sent a tweet to Chuck Garfine. And unless you're following me or unless Chuck told you about it, there's no way the guy reads the tweet. So he ain't following me. Okay, and this guy, this peon must have been instructed to go after me, which I think is funny because I'm a guy in my basement and I got my buddy and that's it. There's no staff here. We're not a million dollar corporation. We don't have access. We don't have an exclusive deal with the White Sox, which is one of the reasons why sometimes I don't get a guest that I ask for because I'm not them. And there have been times where I am aware of based upon things that have been told to me directly by people around the organization or within it that I don't get something that I ask for because they block it because they're intimidated because we've been bringing in more listeners than them to our podcast, which is found all over. You could find all these independent sites that show like actual downloads. I actually posted it on Twitter. The guy had no response to that, like how badly we were crushing them. And and we're not, and we're not, trust me, they're crushing me in income. They're crushing me in the amount of people that they have working for them. And they crushed me in the amount of people they could have retweet the conversation and comment on it the, the other day because it's 50 against one. And it's funny to me, though, that they they were so hurt by somebody pointing out that, hey, somebody else has already been doing this. And then we have Don Paul on over the weekend during the three game set and their website post an interview and a background on Don Paul. What a random player to pick of all White Sox players. Right. Right. Right after we do it, it was like somebody's listening to the show and goes, oh, yeah, we should do a Don Paul thing. Like, it's, it's the funniest thing in the world. And you know what? I understand it. It's hard to come up with things when you're not sitting around with 10 other people helping you and you're at home and somebody looks at you and says, why do we pay you again? Because you can't hide in the office anymore. Now you have to prove that you're worth something. And so it's hard to come up with ideas. It's flattering. I'll be honest with you. And I'm not bringing it up anymore with about this, but I had to address that because this is becoming a thing that's happening coast to coast while the mainstream media sits at home. There are a lot of people that have these weird producer jobs and content jobs and everything else, and they don't really work as hard as you think they work. And now they have to actually show what they're doing, and they're grabbing a little bit from here, and they're grabbing a little bit from there, and they're grabbing a little bit from there. But I thought it was funny. This big-time corporation couldn't wait to jump all over little old me the other day, which to me, I again, I blush because I'm flattered. So my wife, who used to work in news, 
um, will talk about this all the time, and and she will she will rant and rave about this all the time about how there is absolutely no originality when it comes to the people who work in the corporate world whose job it is solely is to come up with content. But but that's the impression that that I get also. Like these are people who are not paid to be original. These are people who are paid to say the word yes. You know what I mean? Or or whatever you want, sir. You know what I mean? These are people who are paid to be yes men. And so they're not, you know, they're not necessarily, they don't have necessarily have very much originality or creativity. Um, so when something comes out that's hot, they're going to either piggyback off of it or, or you know, steal it or rip it off, however you want to, however you want to say it. The thing of it is, Chris, is imitation is the highest form of flattery, right? So, I mean, if somebody takes an idea that you come up with, Take it, take it for what it is. Take it as, you know, you're the guy who came up with the idea. Well, and- I thought the best line in the exchange that I had with the guy, and then I want to move on, is, well, for, there were two things. One, he tried to point out because they one time simulated a football game before it happened in the playoffs that they they were basically the innovators of simulation, which I thought was hysterical. And secondly, and secondly, the whole they inspired me to do a podcast. I've been podcasting since 2008 before Apple would even let you on and you had to post it on your own website and try to direct people to it. Don't talk to me about being innovators in podcasting. That's a joke. Let's get on to some stuff that's actually happening. Jeff Passan the other night uh, reports that Major League Baseball is talking to the federal government about this idea, and I'm going to surmise it for you so we can jump right into it. The idea that all these players would basically quarantine themselves with their teams away from their families. It'd be essential personnel only. you place a bubble around an area in Arizona. They'd all be in these hotels by themselves. They would keep like workers away from them and staff away from a Major League Baseball inside of a bubble, playing games in front of nobody with expanded rosters in case somebody starts the show signs of the coronavirus you could take the guy out of the lineup for a few days and put him into quarantine and the idea is if we keep everybody away and all these guys literally become a family for up to the entire 2020 season through the playoffs that they could bring back baseball now the reason major league baseball wants to do this is that even though they can't fill the stands and they are going to take a hit tv revenues will be through the roof and trust me they will sell more mlb uh television uh, uh, deals like the thing where you go online, you get MLB TV online. If they drop a couple of the blackout restrictions too, they'll be able to sell it to everybody. People will jump online because they're starved for content. The other thing is the players Passon says that he talked to a player right after this came out. And the guy was like, no way. He actually said no bleeping way. I would never leave my family. The next day he said his wife sat him down and said, we're not making any money because of this agreement between the players and the owners while we're sitting at home. You better go pack your bags and go and play. So it's going to come down to what the players are going to do. What's your initial thoughts on this, bud? Um, Okay. A couple of things about this. Uh, First of all, if they're going to do this, Major League Baseball is going to have to catch up with the times when it comes to being able to stream games in general, but also being able to stream out of market games. Major League Baseball has been behind the other major sports 
when it comes to watching games on devices, watching games online, being able to get out-of-market games, they have been behind on this. Now, I don't know where they're at with it now, present day, but I know in years past, they have been, it's been harder to do this with baseball than it has been with other sports. So they're going to have to make sure they get caught up on all of those things if they want to maximize their uh, their TV and ultimately streaming revenue from it. The other thing that, because I heard this reported on uh, I had actually heard uh, a, a pundit, whatever you want to call him, talking about this on CNN. Uh, and this guy actually made a good point. The, the logistical problem that you have with this is these players uh, and, and essential staff members, essentially, who are going to be involved in this uh, bubbled season uh, in Arizona is where they're talking about doing it, if I'm not, you know, if I'm not mistaken, because all of the most of the teams are already down there anyway, and they have these facilities where they have a bunch of ballparks where they could play within like a 50 square mile radius or whatever. So that'd be the place to do it. But the, the big hangup for this is you have to test these players and staff for COVID-19 constantly. And the big concern there is, are you wasting resources? Are you wasting tests on these players that need to be going to um, high outbreak areas like New Orleans, New York, Chicago, Seattle, what have you. So that that's another that's another problem that they're going to have to get over. They're going to have to figure out if they're going to do this. Is just the the you know how often do you test? You know how many and and where are you going to get these tests from? And are you going to be taking resources from somewhere else that really needs these tests? Okay, when you decide to do this, if you decide to do this, which I think is still a big if, there's a lot of me that feels like every time an idea is floated out there, the mainstream media jumps all over it and writes 1,500 articles on it because there's nothing else to talk about, going back to our original point at the beginning of the show. So how feasible is it? I don't know, but I do know this. If you decide you want to put everybody inside of a bubble, you have to have 14 days where they all sit inside of a bubble and do nothing. So first you got to bring all these players together who have been quarantining with their families And they have to quarantine with other people. They don't know whether or not they've been doing the right thing. And then they all have to cross their fingers and hope that after the first 14 days, all the teams are together. You don't have an outbreak someplace because somebody or two or three or five guys were already carrying it when you brought all the Major League Baseball players in. Then what you have to do is after you do the quarantine, you have to make sure that nobody comes in contact with them after they've gotten through those 14 days. It also wasn't quarantined. So what essential staff do you need? Are they going to leave their families? Because guess what? They're not actually getting paid what these major league baseballs are getting. Players are getting paid. Not all of them are getting paid those things. So what's essential and how do you keep them? When you put guys in a hotel, is major league baseball going to be running the hotel? Like is the locker, are the guys that run the locker room also going to be washing the sheets in the hotel? You can't have hotel staff going into their rooms or otherwise your quarantine won't work two weeks into this thing. It could start spreading in, you know, the, the Hampton or the Hilton or whatever like that, because the hotel staff brings it in it, it, the logistics of it are so weird i'm pretty sure that like what i heard is that when it came to those sort of things like those would be those would be those would be mlb staff also okay like, those would be people that would be paid by mlb to to be essentially they would be taking over these hotels uh outright with all of their people and all of their staff members. That that was the proposal. That was the proposal that I heard. Logistically, 
this is not something you can just do willy nilly. All right. No way. I don't, you know, it's, it's, it's really interesting to, to me to see what they're going to do. Now, the question I had that came up uh, when I was talking about this yesterday. So what is the minimum amount of games that you have to play for a major league baseball season? Is it 120 or is it 90? They can do whatever they want to. If they want to go 81 games, they can go 81 games. They've even major league baseball has even floated the idea of if they didn't get started until August or September doing like a, like a round robin tournament with a massive playoff grid just to try to bring in revenue. They'll do whatever they can to make money. I don't think there's anything written in stone that they can't change during this time. So that's what I think. You're talking like a March Madness type of thing. Yeah, almost. which might be crazy as well, but I don't want to wait that long. See, I want baseball back fast. I want it back just like everybody else. I just, it seems so unrealistic to believe that all the players will be on board that you won't have a couple of stars say, nope, I've made enough money in my life, I'm staying home with my family and sit out the season, that you won't at some point have an outbreak in one of the hotel rooms, that you won't see, I mean, like, there's just so many what-ifs in this thing, I just don't know if it'll work, but here's the thing, Major League Baseball is watching WWE and AEW put on live television shows right now, but they have far less guys to keep control of, and they all live together anyway, so the culture in that is different. I was just going to bring up WrestleMania, uh, which I watched over the weekend. I know we're a baseball podcast, but this this does relate. For those of you who, who don't follow what WWE and, uh, and AEW uh, respectively are doing is they're hosting, they're hosting pre-taped shows where you have just the wrestling matches in an empty wrestling arena with just a, an absolute skeleton crew. In some ways it works, in some ways it doesn't, but the thing of it is, is you're right. Like to put on, to, to tape a whole bunch of wrestling matches in advance with anywhere from two to six people in a wrestling ring and, you know, two or three camera people and then two announcers. That's a lot easier to do logistically than, you know, having a baseball team, you know, having two baseball teams uh, play together. Foundation issues not properly handled can be costly. Family Waterproofing Solutions is owned by Ken, a veteran of the United States Marines, and his wife Maria, making them a veteran-owned business and a female-owned business that will diagnose and repair wet or leaky basements. And while they're located on the sock side, Family Waterproofing services the entire Chicagoland area and Northwest Indiana. And now after taking time off to ensure they can do things safely and securely for you, Family Waterproofing is back in business and doing jobs. Plus part of the proceeds for every job that they do are donated to veteran and first responder organizations to support our frontline defenders. And currently, Socks in the Basement listeners have access to special pricing when they contact Family Waterproofing Solutions now, 708-330-4466, or visit them today at FamilyBasementWaterproofing.com. I don't know what a Major League Baseball is going to do, and you know what, here's the thing, if baseball comes back, with this simulated season, people are getting into it. We see the numbers continue to climb. We get comments constantly. People are like, this is great. I sit around and I I flip on a ball game and I listen to it. It's normally around 90 minutes. Some are down to 70 minutes. Uh, extra inning games get to be about 100, 110, but they're much shorter than any other ball game that you'll ever listen to on the radio. And we have these full simulated games every day based upon the White Sox schedule. So we are now into the point where 
The team's got a winning record. We're through four series at this point. We've played a total of 12 games. And looking at the team right now, a couple things, first of all, that I've noticed. One, the game wears these guys out very quickly. I'm constantly having to change the roster around. It's so maddening. Like, it'll be a big game, and it's like I got to bench Tim Anderson in the middle of a 10-game hitting streak because he's, like, gassed. Like, there's just these weird things that I end up having to do. Secondly, the game hates our starting rotation. Uh, It decreased the value of Dylan Cease and Lucas Giolito in the preseason when I started the simulation. Like, it just hated them. And so it took their original rankings and already brought them down. So the best rated pitcher is Keuchel, and he has gone out and had three games at this point. He only has one quality start. But he's got, I want to say he's got two wins. He's the only guy with two wins right now on the team. And Giolito has struggled like crazy. The guy who's insane is Reynaldo Lopez in, in the five spot in the rotation. He's got two starts. He's got a whip still under one. He's only got one quality start, and he's only got one win. But the other game, he went five and two-thirds, and they still ended up winning the game in, in a close one. So so he's been, I mean, he's been, he's been like this revelation. I don't get it, but okay, <laughs> go ahead. Okay, but the I, th- I don't get it. <laughs> the thing that we have to decide on, and this is what I want to talk to you about here as we conclude the show, because we're going in now to this weekend series with the Twins. First of all, I had the day off on Thursday, so I rested. We were able to rest a lot of the big bullpen arms. So the big bullpen arms, your Bummer, your Seashek, uh, your Colome, they are reared up and ready to go. Jimmy Cordero should be at 100%, if not just below it. Those have been the top guys in the pen. Jace Fry has struggled, although he came in and got a big out in the last outing that he was in. Uh, Carson Fulmer, surprisingly, has done very well in the last couple of games. But, oh, but it, one was in a mop-up role where there was no pressure on him, and the other one was in a role when they were up by a bunch of runs and there was no pressure on him. So when he had pressure on him, he couldn't get an out. So the game really, I, I think the game is incredible. The MLB, the show 20 is incredible and in how it kind of reads situations as well. I mean, the Boston series, all the games were like 15, 20 minutes longer because they take forever and they foul everything off. Like the game is so right. intricate in how it actually simulates what's going on. But going into this, this twin series, we have uh, a couple of guys that are hot and a couple of guys that are cold. The the big interest the interesting thing has been Leary Garcia has three errors so far in the infield and has cost <laughs> the White Sox a game. He he straight up because of one of his errors opened up a big inning that they lost and he almost cost him a game late in the ninth inning early on in the season against the Royals. So because he he dropped the ball in the ninth inning and then it was a bases loaded situation and the Sox got out of it and almost lost the game on opening day. So. He's dropping the ball. Meanwhile, Danny Mendick is making these insane plays out there, which is really weird. And But his average is slightly lower than Leary. So the first question is, based upon that, would you go with a guy that's hitting a little bit better? Or would you move Leary at this point to the Swiss Army knife role that we envisioned him in and make Mendick the everyday second base starter until we can bring up Mandrigal, who we're going to bring up very soon. I, yes, yes. That Well, that was going to be my thing. I was going to say, look, you know, Mendek at second base and Leary as a Swiss Army knife was was kind of how we were thinking it was going to go anyway. So we're probably not alone in that respect. So I would say, yeah, I would go ahead and I would go ahead and make that move. Yeah, I'm thinking about doing it. I I see Madrigal being the first call up, and I I've kind of got a date in mind 
where I think the Sox would would do it. It's going to be during this month, and he's going to get called up, and he's going to start all the time. But right now, I, here's the thing. Mendick's average is that he's only hitting like a little over 200. But every time he's got men on base, I think he's hitting over 500 with runners in scoring position in the ninth spot, which has been huge. And he hasn't made any errors yet. So, And the other thing is the fact that the game only allows Garcia really is the only backup at short, which I started thinking to myself, and I was like, yeah, sure, Mancata used to actually be a shortstop, but that was a long time ago. They tried out Mendick a little bit in spring training in real life, but I don't know what that turned out to be. The only guy who naturally has played shortstop besides Anderson on the team is Garcia. So in the end, he's really the backup to Anderson when he needs a break. Even in real life, mm-hmm. that's kind of what the game showed right. me. So it's one of those things where it's weird. And the other thing is the whole Yerman Mercedes thing. We were all talking about that going into spring training. Who should be the 26th man? So I made him the 26th man. He's gotten in for two pinch hitting situations, but he isn't first base eligible. Like it's not even considered to be a secondary position for him. And there's nowhere really to put him after he pinch hits. So he pinch hits and it's like sitting back down again. And meanwhile, I run into situations where guys are wearing out and I just don't have enough infielders. I don't have enough guys to go around. I don't have enough Swiss Army knives. So moving Leary Garcia in the simulation more into the utility role and moving him around and making Mendick more of the everyday second baseman. I'm not saying Leary isn't going to get starts at second base. I think that's where we're going to go going forward with the simulation. That's that's one of the, that's the first thing that I noticed. Plus, you're going to need remember 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 this too. You're going to need defense in that infield. You're going to need guys who can field ground balls with with the amount of ground balls that that the pitchers are going to be serving up, especially Keuchel. So and Keuchel does serve them up. That that's the other amazing thing in the game. He's serving up nonstop ground balls. But what's crazy is the game automatically sets up these shifts. And the amount of times that like somebody he'll induce a ground ball and there's nobody standing there because they got some stupid shift on and it's like a weak base hit is maddening to me right now when I'm when I'm watching the simulations he'd be doing much better and his defense has let him down he two of the Garcia errors if I'm not mistaken are during Keuchel games so the the defense was a big issue for him it was the reason why in the last start that he had he didn't go further than six. He could have gone a lot further in the game that he pitched in, and he couldn't because the defense couldn't keep up with him. So I, there's parallels to what's going on in the simulation and stuff that we talked about as a possibility for the team before all this stuff happened when we were waiting for real baseball. Right. Now, the other thing is the Mazzara thing. Okay, this is exactly how we saw it going as we get towards the end of the show. The, the Mazzara thing, we got to talk about this. And this is another reason why I almost want to send Mercedes down and bring up another outfielder maybe. Because right now, it's Garcia can move on to the outfield and angle. But Mazzara is terrible against left-handed hitting. Just <laughs> brutal. Or left-handed pitching. He's brutal against yeah, left-handed we, pitching. Yeah but, yeah, but we knew this, though. Yeah, we knew this stuff coming in. So, we knew that. So, you know, so, 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 so I, I thought the plan here... I thought the plan here was you were going to take Mazzara and Engel and platoon them out there so you can get one complete player. Yeah, that's what we're going to do, too, because I've started doing that in the last couple of games. And what's funny is Adam Engel in the last game he was in, it's a three-run home run against a lefty. And I was, like, laughing hysterically, and I had him in for Mazzara. And I was like, here he is. He's producing because against lefties, he does he hits gappers. He's got something like three doubles. And now he's only playing limited. He only comes in against lefties. And I'll have him pinch hit against lefties. I'll have him pinch run. And sometimes I'll have him platoon and go out there in the outfield against a lefty starter. And he's got the highest OPS on the team 
because of the fact that he's only playing against lefty. Like, Adam Ingles is a superstar in this game when you just play him against lefty pitching. So that's the other thing we're going to do is we're going to use him more against lefty pitching, and we're going to see how he does there. So that that's that's the other interesting thing. And also, uh, just a quick note, Aloy Jimenez, uh, when I drop him down in the order, does better. So the game suggested him in the four spot, but when he's down in the six spot, he hits no, a lot better. No, so we no, moved no. him down. Aloy, Aloy should be like Aloy should be five spot at, at, at like absolute highest. Yeah. So, you gotta put him, you gotta put him like five, six, seven, somewhere in there. Okay. So now the other thing is when we talk about pitching, I was initially gonna come into the show and tell you we gotta find another pitcher and get rid of Carson Fulmer because he was only on the <laughs> he was only on the team because the White Sox are going to keep him because he's out of options. So I put myself in the exact same bind with him. But he hasn't done that bad when he has to mop up or he has a big lead. When he's in a close game, he's just a, a trash can on fire. That's that's all he is. It's, yes, it's no, Carson, horrible. And, and Carson Fulmer, listen, you know, Carson Fulmer should only be played. If, if, listen, if, you put, if you're putting Carson Fulmer in, that either means that, A, something very, very bad has already happened or B, something very, very bad is about to happen, or C, you're up by 10 runs. Two more pitching observations for the simulation. I'm curious about your thoughts on it, and then we're going to finish up the show here. Uh, Gio Gonzalez, he's the only guy with two quality starts. He's only had two starts, and he's only had two starts. That's the thing. He has been able to go six innings and give up three runs or less both times that he was out there. But what's incredible is he gets into trouble early in the game. Both times he got in trouble early in the game. But he's the only guy that when he gets up towards 80 or 90 pitches, somehow gets better. Like he started, he struck out the side with when he started an inning with 95 pitches already under his belt, like in the sixth inning. And he just came in and just like bared down. And I don't know if there's something on there for veteran leadership or if if he's shown something, but he does that. Some sort of veteranship. I'm sorry about making up words, but some sort of experience factor, some sort of some sort of some sort of craftiness that they're factoring into the game. Yeah. You know, maybe they maybe they, maybe they think he's Harris from Major League and he's putting like Crystal and Bardall on the ball <laughs> in the late innings and he's rubbing boogers on the ball or something. I don't know. Maybe there's some sort of metric for that. Well, you know, he's got this incredible mane of hair in the game. First of all, when he takes off his hat. <laughs> When he takes off his hat, he looks like the he looks like the horse that I'm riding as I'm playing Red Dead Redemption 2 late at night to keep myself busy. He's got this huge mane of hair that he and he and it's hysterical when he takes his hat off. I'm always like, wow, that's a lot of video game hair that he has on top of his head. But he he fights through a lot of innings, and and I'll tell you something right now. It'll be Dylan Cease heading to the bullpen or Reynaldo Lopez way, way before I consider sending Gio Gonzalez when we finally bring up Michael Kopech and eventually Carlos Rodon. The other thing that sticks out to me, and this is a real concern for when baseball does come back, because I was already worried about this. The new rule that requires you to finish out an inning or have three minimum batters. I have watched this play out in simulation, and the problem is you could say all you want that these loogies, these lefty specialists, are going to adjust to it. They don't. At least in, the, no. in this thing. They don't on the other team. They don't on this team. Case in point, Chase Fry, and this is a real stat. We looked at it last year. We looked at it in the offseason when they came up with this rule. Chase Fry is one of the top three pitchers when you look at how few batters they actually face per appearance. He's one of those guys that uh, more than anybody else comes in for one batter, sometimes two. And 
even though he's showing as fresh, even though he looks like he's got all the confidence in the world, even though every meter is up while he's pitching, he gets through those first guy, that first guy or that second guy. I don't care. I brought him in at one point for an inning where he was lined up against four straight lefties. He struck out the first one and walked the next three. And he couldn't oh, find the plate. And it was like he, it, and, and that was the thing. And it keeps striking me. I know it's a video game, but it keeps striking me like, here's a guy whose entire career was one guy, maybe two. And you, and I realize that now as the game is going on and we're running the simulations, I may have him warmed up, but he only comes in when I, he needs to get one guy and there's already two outs in the inning. Like he becomes a spared. He, I use him just as little as I use Carson Fulmer. Like his value decreases because of the rule. And I think in real life, his value decreases because of the rule as well. It's, it's, inter- it's interesting. I, you know, I wonder if the people who, I wonder if the, the software developers that, you know, of the game saw the same thing that we saw when they first put this rule into place about how this is going to really crush the, uh, you know, the specialist pitcher. All right. Well, that's Dave. I'm Chris. I want you to stay well, my friend, and we will get through this and one day be back together sitting down here in the basement. Uh, next time uh, your wife gets on a video chat, jump on. I know you're tired at the end of the day, but I miss your face. All right, will do, man. All right, big guy. That's Dave. I'm Chris. This is Sacks in the Basement, and we will see you next week. I don't know if we'll be live next week or if we'll tape it, but remember to check out the Simulated Socks broadcast each and every day. Follow the White Sox schedule. We're there for you at post overnight, so you can listen to it in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. Stat updates from SoxOn35th.com, the famous White Sox blog. This is Socks in the Basement, found everywhere podcasts can be found, and always at SoxInTheBasement.com. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.